I grew up in a pastor's home. Never gave much thought to what the Bible says about work growing up, nor did I ever remember hearing my father preach a sermon about work. I mean, he was a great man and loved people. In so much ways, I know he poured himself into those who uh, left the pews every Sunday to go to that Monday, Friday, uh, often drudgery in this blue-collar town south of Boston with plumbers and electrician and fishermen and shipbuilders who came into the church every Sunday to be fed. So my, my whole theology of work growing up wasn't kind of nurtured out of a biblical framework. As a matter of fact, when I was getting out of graduate school, um, I was going through a little bit of a funk of like, what am I, like, I going to do now? And so I, I wrote this poem, this, this really hackneyed verse, which um, was somewhat autobiographical, but I had to stretch it a little bit in order to make it rhyme. I, I titled the poem, Gotta Go and Get a Job. Um, you know, and I had put it off for a long time, keep going back to school. It goes something like this, if I remember it correctly. Miss Lucas told me in second grade that in 10 years I'd graduate. I turned and my friend said to my friend Rob, all this school just to get a job. Four years later in junior high, Mr. Towski said, you're a pretty good guy when you graduate from Valley Tech. What are you going to do for your paycheck? I thought, heck, that's coming up in five years. I'll make a decision before my peers. I prayed and thought a doctor is what I'm going to be. I changed my mind next year in biology. I lost the calling when I got a C. Yeah. Well, 1980 came the big year. I got a cap and gown, but no career. Hello, college. Put the job on hold. Four more years, I won't be too old. Had art appreciation with Dr. Gable. Thought that won't put any food on the table. So I majored in psych instead of lit. Figured it's good. It's what uh, Bob Newhart did. Uh, but Freud and Erickson may have been adept, but both of them, they died in debt. And I would, too, at this slow pace. Got a college loan and an empty briefcase. Well, I got the degree, which I think I like, but what do you do with a degree in psych? So no job and all this pressure on my head, I went to graduate school instead. My mom said, you can't get a job on your good looks, so I hid two more years behind my books. Well, finally, it came my third cap and gown, but the job was nowhere to be found, so I shunned my thesis, threw away my MA, and I went and got a job at Chick-fil-A, <laughs> which uh, was actually at a delicatessen, but... What rhymes with delicatessen? Uh, you know, it's a, a trite bit of doggerel, uh, which is not only bad poetry, but actually it's bad theology. Andy Mills was on our campus recently, uh, along with some others, and you were involved in some of those conversations on theology of work. And Andy, I've known from back in the days in, in, in Boston, and a successful CEO, but... He said there are often two polarizing extremes when it comes to understanding work. One is we have this very uh, utilitarian approach to work, you know, the means in which I am able to live my life, maybe somewhat reflective of my poem. The other is more of a, a veneration of work, a place which almost becomes our embodiment of life in an idolatrous way, which, I'll be honest with you, sometimes is my temptation. Uh, get into any conversation with someone, three questions in is that, is that question, so what do you do? 
and maybe it's a guy thing, I don't know, but uh, uh, I oftentimes find myself wanting someone to ask me what I do so that I can tell them, and then they'll equate somehow my worth with my position, and that's sin. Um, we are oftentimes, as we've heard so powerfully over our faculty retreat with Dallas Willard, um, tending to lean more towards doing than being. And we need to focus more on who we are and who we are in Christ. In a recent book, Work, A Kingdom Perspective on Labor, Ben Witherington, uh, Gordon Conwell graduate, I might add, who's at Asbury Seminary, or he was, I don't know if he still is, uh, has this broad view of work as ministry. He says, work, whether it involves plumbing a sink or plumbing the depths of the cosmos in the hands of a Christian is ministry. And I hope some of you who are here as marketplace people, CEOs, are, are hearing that from us, that we value your work, not because of the titles you hold or, or, or maybe uh, the, the people that are under your employ or the money that you might uh, be accumulating, but we value you because you're doing God's work. And you are as much a part of ministry as my dad was when he was in a pulpit every Sunday. One of the distinctive aspects of the educational mission of Biola is to emphasize our interdisciplinary and integrative impact. We are educating students through a biblical framework to impact the world for Christ in whatever vocation or profession they are called to. And as a Christian university, we talk a lot about ministry, but we also are a Christian liberal arts university. And as such, we believe in the value of education in not only the competencies of our students to do what they feel God has called them to do, but the convictions of our students to think deeply and biblically about how their vocational calling fits into their framework of their Christian life and the courage of our students that out of that competency and out of those convictions, they will take on some big challenges and live and lead boldly for the cause of Christ. J.I. Packer has something to say about work. Actually, J.I. Packer has something to say about everything. Um, and often, usually, it's always it's good, J.I. Packer. Um, said, ministry means service to other people, and all work, it seems to me, is oriented to the welfare of other people directly or indirectly. And uh, those of you who are here from the marketplace and the rest of the faculty, Tal uh, Talbot faculty, can eavesdrop, but I want to... I know from knowing many of your stories, that's what you do. In conversations with Philip Paul about serving others through his work, with Dwayne Andrews, about the way in which you live out your life as a Christian in the workplace. And I know you've been salt and light to the communities that God has called you to in your roles of leadership. And this is true for others as well. Vocation isn't about what I do, but what God does through me heard that through John Kang. I've heard that through Doug Meese. I've heard that through others that are here today in our one-on-one -on -one conversations. Scholar Jean Vaith wrote that, that wrote that vocation is nothing less than the theology of the Christian life. God calls us to live out our faith in the world, in the ordinary seeming realms of the family, the workplace, and the culture, to love and serve our neighbors whom God brings to us in our everyday callings. And Talbot faculty as professors and you do that well. And our challenge 
continually, is not to be content with where we are, but our challenge really is to look deeply at our theological curriculum in light of the importance of these conversations and to think about what do we need to do to prepare this rising generation of pastors and Christian leaders to affect and impact culture through congregations. And there's such a, we talked about this earlier during breakfast, there's such a public good, whether you're an evangelical or not, of, of it, pragmatically of, of these large churches in communities throughout the United States that are helping parishioners think biblically so that they, they, they contribute to their communities. Hardworking, honest, good families, lots of integrity, interpersonal skills. And we know that above all of that, that they're living lives to glorify God so that those don't know Christ will come to know him as their savior. So some of the questions, are we thinking through how pastors are prepared? And I know you've been talking about that these past few days. And I want also to say, and and I don't want to sound smug in saying this, but others are watching us. Biola and the work that we're doing through Talbot School of Theology is on the radar screen of many schools and many organizations, and, and they're asking, how does an institution that has maintained these strong biblical convictions that the founders envisioned now in our second century, how are they going to maintain that in an ever-changing world? And this is where we're going to be, I believe, the best of both. The best of the convictions of maintaining who we are, but the best of thinking boldly and creatively and being relevant, um, relative, maybe not so much relevant, which is the one I'm looking for, being relevant, not relative. Um, Yeah, you don't want to be that. I didn't really work on the truth thing. But there are many watching, and uh, we need to be bold, we need to be innovative, leading and modeling biblical fidelity, affecting change in culture. Much of that happens through your work. So let's continue to seriously grapple with these questions, not only in your role in teaching seminarians, but also in your role in the 4,100 undergraduates about how to think biblically and act biblically in whatever God has called them to. This is discipleship work that we're in. This is fulfilling that mandate of going and making disciples, and this is uh, what our uh, students need to understand, whatever vocations that they're going into. When we speak of uh, theology of vocation, I think we also need to think in terms of excellence. One way of looking at our work as ministry is simply by seeing it as an opportunity to excel, to do our very best to produce the most excellent things that we can produce and to work as hard as we can. There's something about excellence in mirroring our creator that God has called us to as well. Last week I spent a few days in New York City, um, which in some some ways was a powerful time, where we looked at Christianity and the arts, about 30 friends of Biola, as as we approached actually that 9-11 moment. We didn't spend a whole lot of time in museums, but we spent lots of time talking to artists to Christians, to thinkers, to those who are engaged in a creative work. And I, and I thought, you know, they are artists, but 
but you are too. We saw galleries, but what impressed me more was seeing studios. The kind of the messy place where imagination and hard work and tools of vocation and no real audience watching, all of that happens. The gallery is really squeaky clean with the right lighting and the right display of the artwork, but it's a studio where the real work happens. And oftentimes I think about that that place in our life where, 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 where work and creativity becomes beautiful in that crucible in which toil and imagination are fused by the worker, the artist, and good work is a reflection of the glory of God. There is an art in all of work and that we are called to create in our work that which is good, that which is transcendent, that which is reminiscent of the beginning of our creator. Surgeons are artists, as are accountants, teachers are artists, car mechanics are artists. And when you think about this within your calling of the Christian life, how we can honor God and serve others by doing what we do with excellence, it makes the heart of God glad. In speaking uh, at the Center for Faith and Work at his church, Redeemer Presbyterian pastor Tim Keller said this, We seek to help believers think out the implications of the gospel for art, business, government, media, entertainment, scholarship. We teach that excellence in work is a crucial means to gain credibility for our faith. If our work is shoddy, our verbal witness only leads listeners to despise our beliefs. If Christians live in major cultural centers and simply do their work in an excellent but distinctive manner, it will ultimately produce a different kind of culture than the one in which we now live. Seen this way, work is not a secular activity, but a sacred calling created by God. And so, as one scholar writes, it must be undertaking, undertaken as a holy trust. And part of why we should aim for excellence in whatever we do, whatever I do, and I th- believe this is true, is because the work we do now is not just temporal or purposeless, but it has eschatological implications. What we do in the now has significant implications for the not yet world. Christian work, Witherington argues, is any necessary and meaningful task that God calls and gifts a person to do, and which can be undertaken to the glory of God and for the edification and aid of human beings, being inspired by the Spirit and foreshadowing the realities of the new creation. Miroslav Wolf talked about this also in his book, Work of the Spirit Towards a Theology of Work. As educators here at Biola, we play an important role by instilling in our students the notion that their work is part of God's larger mission in the world, that their contributions to the flourishing of mankind offer important glimpses of the ultimate renewal and restoration of creation. As professors at Biola and Talbot, your job is not just to give students knowledge so that they can get a job and make money, which is the theme of that opening poem, but what you do is more important than that. You are teaching students that a job of vocation is not just a material necessity or means to an end. It's not just a secular activity we do five days a week so we can afford to do more important things on the evenings or weekends, but neither is it an embodiment of who we are. 
When I met with you last month at our faculty conference, I shared with you my own struggles with work, saying that there are times, which I regretfully admit, that I feel like I'm living for Biola. And I wake up in the middle of the night with Biola on my mind, and I don't wake up enough with Jesus on my mind. I don't want to live for Biola. I want to live for Christ. Uh, and part of the way in which I live for Christ is live faithfully in what God has called me to do in my vocation. I have learned, and I'm still learning, that to be obsessed with my own vocational accomplishments, uh, to consume kind of myself and who I am, or to be obsessed with my own inadequacies, both of those are sin. They're both sand, and I wrestle with them. Sometimes I wonder if the best way to approach our work is to think about what happens when our life in that world of vocation is done. And what do I want to reflect on at that point in my life? I'm 49, so I'm not really ready to retire yet, but I have thought about that this summer, and I've journaled about it. Four things came to mind as I think about, like, what do I, like, when I'm done, and, and I hope and pray that this is the last job that I have, that what do I want to say when I'm done? And I've thought of four things. One is I want to be most concerned when I think about what people are going to say about me that I'm most concerned about what my family says, my wife and our children. What are they going to say about me when I'm done? Secondly, I want to make sure that the place where I was, I'm leaving at a healthy and not a hollow place that I have held in trust what God has given to me so that the next generation of leadership inherits some place that is healthy and strong and not empty and shallow. Third, I want to be able to look back and say there are people that I've invested in. There are going to be new programs and new buildings and campus expansion and lots of developments, but when Paul thought about this, he looked back and he said, he could identify the people, he called them my joy and my crown. Who will I say are those people that I've invested in, that I've mentored, that I've poured my life into, the same way that the, the Bob Cooleys and the Walt Kaisers and the Hugh Coreys have poured their life into me? Who will I say are my joy and my crown? And finally, when I leave that job, my hope and prayer is that I don't go through a spiritual depression, that somehow I seduced myself into believing that this was my life in Christ, and that I don't feel empty when I leave, but I still feel a full vibrancy of who I am as a follower of Christ, and there's not that spiritual letdown that somehow I had mistaken along the way that my job was my faith. Theology of work provides us with an understanding that careers for Christians are a sacred trust, a sacred calling. It's part of our mission. It's a way we bring the values of the kingdom of God to bear on everyday lives and in our everyday spheres of influence. And as we reflect on what we've heard during the past few days from Wayne and Dallas and Bill and Stephen and others who have spoken, I urge you to think about how to apply this in your own classrooms as you shape the lives of the next generation? How can we best convey the biblical values 
of integrating faith, our Christian life with learning and vocation. What a great contribution you can make to society and to the church by helping students think biblically about their work. And for the seminary students you teach to help them think about the people that they will minister who live in the world of work for a third or more of their daily lives during the week. We have a theology of kind of the family, this theology of of, of play and, and, and recreation a third of our lives in many ways, and, but there's not enough thinking about a theology of work. Then the other third is a theology of sleep. I don't know if we need some that think about that, I'm sure. How can we model a theology of work in our lives, and how can we teach it to others? How can we make Biola a place where ministry is something we all do or strive to do, no matter what our vocational calling?